Welcome to Locked On Nuggets, part of the Locked On Network, your team every day. My name is Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network and the Nuggets Insider for 104.3 The Fan in Denver. Make sure to check out all of our great Locked On podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On NBA Net. Lots of great shows throughout the week. You're going to want to check out Locked On Clippers to get ready for the big game on Friday. On today's show, we will briefly recap a pretty boilerplate, nondescript ass-kicking of the Detroit Pistons by the Denver Nuggets. Uh, on Tuesday night, it was a fun game because I enjoy the NBA enough to where I will pay attention to games like this and have things that take away from it. In the second segment, I want to talk about Monte Morris, who I think hasn't gotten enough credit for what he's done this season. And in the final segment, we'll talk a little bit about the Michael Porter Jr. situation as well as Gary Harris from a big picture perspective. So in this one, uh, the Nuggets win 115-98. That is the target range of what you were looking for if you were a Denver Nuggets fan or if you were Michael Malone. Uh, they dominated the, the Pistons in terms of defense, holding them to under 100 points. And the Nuggets put up over 110. That's This is like the target range for everything that you want. Um, the Pistons shot 41% from the field, 37% from three. The Nuggets shot 58% from the field and 47% from three. They've got solid contributions from just about everybody. All of this despite the fact that Jokic only had 16 points on eight shots, uh, four assists to five turnovers, though I am really curious because I feel like he had two early that didn't get counted. Um, he did have four steals in this one because his defense was on point. Uh, the big kind of score tonight was Jeremy Grant, who had 29 points on 12 of 15 shooting, uh, had a, a just an amazing dunk late uh, off of a great pass from Michael Porter Jr. They just really, they ran roughshod. Uh, the Pistons, they are having one of those seasons where just everything goes wrong. Just everything. It started out in the beginning of the year. Reggie Jackson got hurt. Blake Griffin went down, and that was pretty much the ball game. Um, Drummond sulked through the rest of the year. They finally trade Drummond to Cleveland. Um, everybody is out. Like, even the guys that they really could have used in this one, like... Luke Kennard was out. They could have used Luke Kennard. They really could have used him. He would have been helpful in this game. Um, they don't really have anybody. Like, Donta Hall is playing 14, like 15 minutes in this game. It, it was rough. Like, Derek Walton Jr. probably should have gotten more minutes to the Pistons. And that's, like, not a name anybody knows. Uh, the Pistons don't have anybody. They had no real way to generate offense. That's why Rose, Derek Rose, finished with 20 points on 6 of 14 shooting. And he was kind of like the quote-unquote star for the night. Christian Wood did what he always does, 20 points on 16 shots. Played really well. really well. Christian Wood's really good. And on a competent team, is probably having a really big night and killing the Nuggets, and this is probably closer. Uh, but the Nuggets just kind of outpaced them. You know, Denver won um, the first two quarters, built up a, a safe halftime lead. Detroit won the third quarter by only three. And then the fourth quarter, they really ran away with it. They got close enough, and then the starters came in. And they really cleared it. If you want to talk about like the most promising thing from this game, it's got to be that Michael Porter Jr. played 23 minutes. Um, you know, Porter goes six of nine from the field, 13 points, eight boards, leads the team in rebounds. He's such a great rebounder. Did not see that coming. One assist, two turnovers, and a plus uh, nine for MPJ, who had some real key mistakes. And Malone let him play through them. And those things are are big. You know, the other night he played very few minutes coming off that ankle injury and only the only second game back and everybody was like, what's the deal? 
Uh, and Malone said, I got to find more minutes for Michael Porter Jr. And you know, look, he said that before. And so you don't know whether to take him seriously or not. I think Malone genuinely means it when he says these things. But the reality is that he actually like did it tonight. Like, he stuck to it. Uh, Torrey Craig did not play in this game. It's looking more and more like Torrey Craig is going to be used selectively when they need high-level defense versus key matchups versus good teams. Like, I expect Torrey Craig to be back in the lineup on Friday versus the Clippers. He's probably going to get minutes on those wings because he's probably going to be a little bit more hesitant to trust MPJ in that game than he was in this one. But he did get MPJ time, and again, it came out really well for him. Um, You know, Jamal Murray had a quiet night, uh, 16 points on 5 of 12 shooting, but he had 8 assists. And his passing was really on point. I thought Jamal played really great tonight. He was a plus 25. His run in the second quarter was really impressive. Um, this was a, a much better performance than I think we've seen from Denver since it got back fully healthy. Obviously, the loss of the Thunder was rough, but this was a really well-balanced effort. Everybody kind of contributed. Like They didn't need a huge Jokic game. They didn't need a massive performance. Will Barton only took three shots tonight. Like It wasn't really Will's night, and that's okay because they're getting contributions from everybody. We'll talk about Gary Harris in the final segment, but Harris with another performance where he shoots, you know, he he shot 44%, so better than 40% from the field, which is trending upward for him. Like Anything close to 50%, you're feeling pretty good about where Gary's at. Uh, Had a strong finish, a really great dunk on Svi in the second quarter. I thought that was a, a signature moment. Um, you know, Jeremy Grant continues to really figure out how to play with Jokic, and that that trend is going really well. The reality is, is that the strongest position in terms of overall depth for Denver is probably their power forward position. Like Jokic is obviously the best player on the team, but as good as Jamal Murray and Monte Morris are, I think Paul Millsap and Jeremy Grant have played better this season. Like. You know, Grant had 29 and Millsap only had nine on 10 shots, but I thought Millsap played really great defense and was just locked in the whole game and, and did enough in order for them to to win the minutes that he was out there. And, and that's really crucial. You know, Grant's ability to stretch the floor with both Millsap shooting above 50% from three this season, though he's only one of four tonight, and Grant having nights like tonight where he's three of five, that stretch position really helps clear out the lane and it makes things easier for not just Jokic but Murray running pick and rolls for the back cuts for all those little things I think all of that improves when those guys are hitting those threes and you're able to stretch the floor so um, a really impressive performance tonight the kind of game where back in November they screw around and this game's probably closer they lose in you know December it's probably close, but they win. And tonight it was, no, they were never losing this game. But they were always going to win this game. They were always going to beat Detroit, and they were always going to beat them by double digits. Uh, a really solid performance, really encouraging, and the kind of win that they should have. The Nuggets, I, in my opinion, are ramping towards the playoffs. Like They are timing it right, where they're getting better and better each game. Hopefully they peak in like mid to late March. And then kind of coast out from there. That's the timing I think that's best for an NBA team where you're able to remember what your high gear looks like, but you're not pushing right through to the end so you exhaust yourself. Timing's really important, but this wasn't Denver's best game, but it was more than good enough to completely manhandle the Pistons, who I admit are terrible. But look, this wasn't the Knicks game where they screwed around. This wasn't the Detroit game last year where they screwed around. They took care of business, and there's something to be said for that. 
When we come back, we'll talk about Monte Morris, who I think has gone really under the radar this season. We'll talk about that after the break here on Locked on Nuggets. On Nuggets, your team every day. Part of the Locked On Network. Thanks for joining us. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Locked On Nuggets. Make sure to follow me at HP Basketball. And follow all the great shows at Locked On NBA Net. Great shows this week. You're going to want to get caught up on all the playoff races. There's so much interesting stuff going on. Check that out all over the Locked On Network. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook. I'm sure that, you know, when Peach was a thing, I'm sure we were on there too. Lots of places. Make sure to check that out. All right, uh, I want to talk about Monty Morris. <clears throat> and the reason I want to talk about him is I don't think that he's really gotten the credit for how he's kind of turned the season around. Morris has, as the season has gone on, played better and better and has really started to convert. He's back to being that stable force off the bench that he was last year. And that's really promising for Denver because that position is crucial. Monte's going to be in the playoff rotation. He's going to get minutes. And not being him not being viable last year was really rough. Uh, it was tough in the playoffs for Jamal Murray to have to handle that much. And without Will Barton, because he was you know hurt and a mess last year in the playoffs, they didn't have that many creators. Monte unlocks a lot of their best lineups. You know The lineups where you have Monte Morris, who's a true floor setter and a guy that can space off ball and catch and shoot. Him alongside Will Barton and Michael Porter Jr. And Nicola with either one of the power forwards you're in a really dangerous position there of having guys that can do a little bit of everything that don't need the ball except for Jokic. And that, I think, is you know one of the better combinations that they can have, and it means that Jamal Murray can get a little bit of a rest, and that's really good. Um, on the season, the Nuggets are scoring 109 points per 100 possessions with Morris on the floor. That's great. You know, For a team that's struggled so much offensively throughout the season, uh, for Morris, especially with the bench unit, for him to be up at 109 is actually really promising. Like Mason Plumlee's at 107.5, uh, PJ Dozier's at 106. Like they're not playing better with him offensively uh, on the floor. You know, even Malik Beasley, as good of a shooter as he was, 108. Like the Nuggets have scored well when Monte Morris has played. Now some of that's Monte's play with the starters a little bit more, but that's also valuable. Is you want somebody that that doesn't just run the second unit. Um, to put that in perspective, so like Tomas Sadoransky, when he was with uh, the Wizards, was a really good backup point guard because he had great chemistry with guys that would come off the bench or supporting guys. But he really struggled whenever he tried to play with the starting units. Like he just did not connect with John Wall or Bradley Beal, and that made it really difficult. Morris's flexibility on that, I think, really helps with being able to mix and match. And you need that for the playoffs because your tight eight to nine man rotation you're still going to have the starters playing long minutes. Those bench guys have to be able to flow with the starters. Like, Malone's not running hockey subs, even in the first round. Not going to happen. Like, he's going to play his starters long minutes, and Morris needs to be able to come in and know whatever his role is and adapt to whatever it is that the team needs. If he's playing next to Jamal Murray, he's not going to score. If he's playing next to Will Barton and Nikola Jokic, he's probably going to shoot a little bit. But if he's also playing with Mason Plumley. You know, run that pick and roll and run it to death. You're going to see on Friday in that when a second unit comes in, when it's Lou Williams and Montrez Harrell, the Nuggets are going to run Monte Morris and Mason Plumley, and they're going to have 
the, the announcers are going to be very perplexed that these Nuggets, who no one pays attention to, are actually torching the Clippers because the Clippers cannot stop that pick and roll when Williams and Montrezl Harrell are on the floor. You know, Morris's defensive rating this season is 106.9. It's actually the Nuggets' defense is better very, very slightly when Morris is on the floor. And for a guy who's undersized and struggles getting over screens because he's undersized, Morris does a really good job of just knowing where he's at. You do not see routine mistakes for Monte Morris. He is not helping off in the wrong direction. He's not helping too early or too far over to the point paint when he's tagging. He's always kind of maintaining his correct spacing. Now, Morris can't really run guys off. He doesn't have the length, but he does have the ability to really crowd a guy on ball, especially in isolation situations. And I think he's been really good in that capacity, especially for a guy, again, of his size. I think that that matters when we're talking about a guy that's going to be in a playoff rotation. You know, one thing to keep in mind here, um, guys only, there's only 16 possessions, or I'm sorry, uh, there's only 20 possessions that Synergy has logged of Monte Morris defending isolation. But opponents have shot only 6 of 16 in those spots. Guys are not targeting Monte Morris. They're not running stuff at him constantly over and over again. Most of the problems in, in Morris's defensive profile are he plays with Mason, who tends to drop a little bit more than Jokic does. Jokic plays at the level of the screen all the time. Mason sometimes backs a little bit further off. And that, I think, really opens him up to get hurt. Um, opponents are only shooting 40% on catch-and-shoots, uh, I'm sorry, on spot-up plays with Morris defending. And on catch-and-shoots, it's only 35%. So Morris isn't allowing a lot of high-quality shots. He's getting bodied at the rim. That's one thing that is a real problem is defensively, you know, opponents are shooting 59% at the rim on Morris, including um, a 1.224 around the basket. That's via Synergy Sports. That's really rough. But a lot of that's just simply size, and you have to have, have better rim protection. If you put Monte in the right system... He plays to that capacity, and he plays to it consistently. And that, I think, has helped them a lot. Morris is also a real floor stabilizer. Like He's just really calm. He knows how to get the guys going. He knows how to maintain. He's a floor general, and I love those guys. Like I'm just always more partial to floor general point guards than explosive scoring phenoms. Uh, and that's not a knock on Jamal Murray, who I think has played really well and is clearly a better player. It's just that I really appreciate that Morris comes in and plays that way. Morris is one of the best guys with the media. It's one of the reasons why like, you're going to always find pretty typically positive comments coming from uh, reporters about him. Morris is always available and willing to talk to the media. And just because he's got a sense of professionalism. One of the, my favorite things I ever heard from Adam Morris was, Last year, they were asking him what his career goals were during that breakout season. He said, you know, I just want to be a backup point guard in this league for a long time. Morris is very shrewd. He's a much more shrewd guy than he comes off as. He's got a good sense of where his career is going to go, about who he's going to be, and about what kind of role he's going to be able to carve out. Morris is going to be in the league for 10 years. He's going to be a consistently good player on a bunch of different teams, and he's going to be that grizzled vet that knows how to come in and do the job. And there's real value in that. And having a guy like that on this contract, whenever Morris moves on to another team, the Nuggets are going to miss him because he's been a very stabilizing force. The bench unit has struggled all year. And everyone will point to last year's playoffs and go, well, look what happened last year. And I get that. And it's entirely possible that Morris struggles again in the postseason, just like it could be with Mason Plumley and Michael Porter Jr. and whoever else. But I have a little bit of faith, I think, in Morris to be better prepared for this time. I don't think he'll be overwhelmed. I think he's stronger. I think he's smarter. I think that his floater is going. His jump shot's in a really good place right now. 
And that helps. Like having that be in the, the position that it needs. Um, like just being able to, to knock down shots consistently is so big for this team. You know this. You know that this team needs shooting. And so for having a guy that's shooting 42% on jump shots with a 51% EFG, that's 66% centile league-wide on jump shots. Morris is a reliable shooter. And that reliability, I think, gets underlooked by both the national media and even by local media and Nuggets fans. Monte Morris has had a really We'll come back. We'll talk Michael Porter Jr. and his his return to regular minutes, as well as because he's back, Gary Harris. More on that after the break. Final segment here on Locked On Nuggets, your team every day. Following another Nuggets win as they improved 40 wins on the season. They asked Malone about it. You can tell them, Malone, this is a sidebar before we get into MPJ and Harris. I love these kind of comments because Vic, uh, Vic Lombardi asked him after the game about, you know, 40 wins. And, like, I know it's all kind of a hat, but, you know, and you're expected to. But can you take a little, a little satisfaction? And you could tell that for, for Malone, he was like, 40 wins? Like, who cares about 40 wins? Because in the back of Malone's mind is like, yeah, but if we don't win another game for the rest of the season, I finish under 500. <laughs> like, you know that he's thinking that way. Um, again, I will tell you that the one seed is lost. That's They're not going to catch that. Uh, this game on Friday is going to be big. I, I do not need to tell you that, but it's worth noting how big it is. If Denver wins, they go to 2-0 versus the Clippers. They prove that they have a matchup advantage. They put themselves back on the map in terms of the national conversation. Uh, and they'll, I, let's see, number of, I have this right here. They only play the Clippers three times. So if Denver wins on Friday, they win tiebreaker over the Clippers. They go up by another game on them. They get another game in the loss column, so they'll be up two. Assuming the, the Clippers don't lose between now and then, and they'll win tiebreaker. So big game. Houston is coming up the standings fast. Utah's fading. Houston's rising. And if you want to stay out of the four and have to face the Lakers, like this is what's crazy. If Denver is able to push either the Clippers or the Rockets into the four spot to have to face the Lakers, that's just so huge for their chances of making the Western Conference Finals. If the Nuggets wind up in the four seed, there's almost no chance to make the Western Conference Finals because they have to go through the Lakers, and that's sorry, it's just unlikely. It's not they'll give them a fight, but I just don't know if they can pull it off. But if they manage to push the Clippers or the, especially if they push the Clippers into the four, okay, if Houston comes up and gets the three, we've gone over why I think Denver matches up better with Houston now. If they push the Clippers into the four, and the Clippers have to go to not go to have to face the Lakers in the second round. There's a good chance the Clippers knock off the Lakers because they match up better with them. That That's the team the Clippers match up best with. And if the Nuggets were to beat Houston and make the Western Conference Finals, it could be versus the Clippers, who I think that they can beat. 
Now, this Friday could completely turn me around. If Ivica Zubac has another good game versus Jokic, and if Paul George goes off and just shows that they could outmuscle and outstar power the Nuggets, it's on the road. It's a tough spot. But if Denver can get that win, it's going to go a long way. Uh, so Porter Jr. gets back into the rotation tonight. Heavy minutes, over 20 minutes. And there's a lot of, like, we were vexed as a media group after the last game because Mal- I had asked Malone and before the Thunder game, I said, is MPJ in the playoff rotation? If the playoff started tomorrow, is MPJ in the playoff rotation, assuming he's healthy? And do you plan on him being in there in, in two months when the playoffs begin? And he said unequivocally that Porter Jr. was going to be in the playoff rotation. And then he didn't play much versus the Thunder, and he didn't play much versus in the, in the following game, and it's like, all right, what's going on here? And Malone said after that game, he said, i got to find more minutes for MPJ. And he did. He found him tonight. This Pistons game afforded him that opportunity. It's hard to say, though. There's not, like, a pattern here to where he plays Porter and doesn't. And I know it's frustrating for the fans because Indiana's a really good team. They were on the road. And lo and behold, Porter has a breakout game versus the Pacers on the road. And then they play the Knicks, and they're up like a bazillion in the in Madison Square Garden, and and he doesn't play them at all. I, I, there's really no telling. The one thing I can say is he's always going to get that first half opportunity. And if he plays well, he'll earn more. But tonight was notable in that MPJ made a series of mistakes. He made a lot of mistakes tonight, and Malone let him play through it. That's really promising, I think, for for long term in terms of trusting him because Porter Jr. is going to be a guy that can get them past the Rockets, that can get them past if they if they get themselves into a game six versus the Lakers, can help them get to a game seven. Like they're going to need MPJ quarters in the playoffs in order for them to make the most of this run. They may not make it, but that's what it's going to take. Um, like I said in the first segment, I don't think that means Torrey Craig is out of the rotation. I'm going to be really interested to see what MPJ's role is on Friday versus the Clippers because it's it's really interesting. So Gary Harris is back. 4-9 tonight. He was 5-10 uh, last game for 13 points. So now he's actually had like multiple double-digit games. He's looking a lot better. He's exploding more. Um, I have said this pretty consistently. Uh, my feelings have not changed on Harris in that uh, Gary Harris is my probably my favorite nugget. Just in terms of covering him, because like I watched the kid grow up. Like I saw him come in as this kid that wasn't getting minutes under Shaw and was super frustrated. You could tell it was a really hard year for him. And he was so relieved when he finally got time and got to show what he could do his second year. Like you're worried your career is not gonna go anywhere. And Gary made the most of himself. I saw him become, you know, the second most important player on the team and the best player a lot of nights when Jokic was still learning his way. And then I saw last year when it all kind of fell apart for him with the injury, and I don't think he was really the same after that. I still think that probably if the Nuggets are going to reach their apex, their absolute summit with uh, Jokic in this era, it probably is going to require moving one of Jamal Murray and Gary Harris, and Gary's easier to move. His contract is shorter. His contract is less. He is a better defensive player. He's on a more manageable deal. All of these things play value into uh, his contract value, but the reality is is that it's very hard for the Nuggets to win when they have a small backcourt like this, and moving Gary Harris for a bigger two-guard makes the most sense. However, however, Gary Harris is still a Denver Nugget and will be a Denver Nugget for the foreseeable future and continues to you know play really well. He said tonight, 
He was talking post-game about how he doesn't really... Like, the ups and downs just don't get to him at this point. And there's value in that. There's also nothing much you can do when you're in a shooting slump. Because he was playing great defense the whole time. He busted up another DHO tonight. Gary Harris might be the best dribble handoff defender in the league right now. Like, I can't think of a better one. He's better than Matisse Thybul at it. Um, he's able to... He's shiftier. He's able to slide in between. He just blows these plays up. And those are often run-out dunks for Gary Harris. Like, those plays really matter. That is that is a pick-six going the other way in football terminology. Um, his jump shot looks a little bit better. It's still got a hitch, but he's got more shot under his legs. He had a floater tonight, which is always big. And he had a really strong reverse. He's playing with more explosiveness. Now I saw him; he was clutching his, his midsection a little bit tonight. So I'm a little, I'm always concerned with that given his history with the core injuries, but provided that wasn't anything serious, like he really does look like he's more explosive. And if he's finishing at the rim, that makes all those cuts more valuable. And it makes him where he's another consistently good part of this team. His defense is really underlooked. I'm going to probably do a breakdown on that for Action Network because he and Will Barton deserve a lot of credit for what they've done on the perimeter. This defense is legitimately great. It's a They have a great defense. Even if their offense has more potential, their defense has been legitimately great and it's won them a lot of games. And Gary Harris has been a part of that. So you know, I told people that they should be patient with Jamal Murray, that he was going to have a month. He ha- he's had himself a month. Uh, I said that Gary Harris should probably get some leash. He's played well this year. I still think that probably their their future is going to lie with dealing Gary Harris, but that's down the line. And Gary Harris deserves all the credit in the world for what he's given this organization because he's been an absolutely great Denver Nugget night in and night out with this team. All right, that'll wrap it up for this edition of Locked on Nuggets. I'll be back on Thursday Uh, We'll start diving into the Clippers game and looking at that. We'll probably do two days of coverage ahead of that. Uh, Hopefully looking for guests. I'll be on the lookout for that. Uh, And I will talk to you very soon. Make sure to follow us on Twitter, uh, at LockedOnNuggets. Again, check out all the LockedOnNBA pods, at LockedOnNBANet. And I'll talk to you guys again next time. For Adam Mares, the co-host of this podcast, I'm Matt Moore. This has been Locked On Nuggets. Thanks for listening.